How do you do? Like a sheep without a shepherd, the man in the following story wandered through much of his life. He was easily led from one foolish impulse to another, often falling, easily trapped, unable to find a good place to rest and feel secure. He needed a good shepherd, and that's just what he found when his heart and mind and life were unshackled. Proclaiming the good news through dramatic true stories of real people, this is Unshackled, produced in Chicago by Pacific Garden Mission. For more than 120 years now, Pacific Garden Mission has stood in the heart of Chicago, beaming light into the darkness so the lost can find the way, giving the homeless food, clothing, and shelter. Medical and dental experts treat their wounded bodies. Counselors and pastors treat their battered souls. The mission has a men's and women's division with a separate building for women with children. Classes and counseling help them make better decisions leading to the one counselor who never fails. And like the man in this story, those who accept new life are forever changed. Now for broadcast around the earth, here's program number 2480 in the series Unshackled, the program that makes you face yourself and think. Drunk again. For you. Uh, Irving, did you drive home in that condition? Must have. I don't remember walking. <laughs> You're going to kill yourself driving like that. What's it going to take to wake you up? Uh, don't start nagging, Marcy. I made it home, didn't I? Just fine. Not just fine. You're two hours late getting home from work and you're drunk. So what? We need groceries, that's what. And you spent the money on booze. I don't even have enough flour to make bread. We'll just have to eat soup then, won't we? <laughs> oh, what kind of an example are you to your son? Tell me that. Ah, uh, he knows the score. Oh, you're hopeless, Irving. You're just hopeless. The man in our story grew up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. His was a poor family, but loving, unless his father came home drunk. And you would think that seeing firsthand the cruel effects of alcohol, he would have grown up hating liquor, but he didn't. And that was his downfall, or at least the symptom of his real need. This is the true story of Irving Risch, right now on Unshackled. Money was always a problem at our house, or I should say lack of money. Dad worked as a laborer, drank too much, and Mom wasn't afraid to tell him so. One time she hit him on the head with a milk bottle when he got too ornery. Like a dumb sheep, I ran with the wrong crowd as a teenager, and I got in all kinds of trouble. At night, a gang of us guys would go to the docks where trucks unloaded food for the supermarkets. He's gone, Irv. Get up in that truck and see what he's got. Wow! Cinnamon rolls! Here, you guys, catch! Oh, oh, grab a whole box and pass it down! Shh! I don't want to get caught! Hey, there's watermelons up here, too! Well, well hands them down! We can take a bunch and give him away. Oh, hurry up before that guy comes back. We thought it was okay to steal food like Robin Hood and leave it on people's porches. Occasionally, we were caught and had to give back what we took. I was always trying to be a big shot. I talked back to teachers and didn't care a hoot what kind of grades I got. 
In the 10th grade, I dropped out and joined the Air Force. It was either that or go to reform school. After basic, I was sent to a sack base in Texas, but I didn't stay too long. Hi, Dad. What are you doing home, son? Well, I got a three-day pass and started driving. You drove all the way from Texas for only three days off? Uh-huh. You'll have to turn right around and go back. Well, maybe I won't go back at all. Won't you get in trouble? I'm already in trouble. I wasn't supposed to go more than 100 miles from base. <laughs> You're a chip off the old block, Herb. I guess you don't like it very much, huh? Uh, it's okay. I, I just can't seem to do anything right, Dad. Every time I turn around, somebody's yelling at me about something. You ought to feel right at home. Yeah, well... I drive a bakery truck that takes food to all the mess halls. One day we were having a base alert, and I decided to take some sweet rolls to the guy stuck on the flight line. So I drove down the back road behind the buildings. I looked in my rearview mirror and saw all these guys chasing me. How come? They wanted the rolls? No, no. The, the truck was so high, it was pulling down all the phone wires. I cut off communication right in the middle of an alert. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it's funny now, but it wasn't funny to stand at attention with all those officers chewing me out. I'm just trying to do something nice for those guys. That's the way life is, son. You can have the best intention and still end up wrong. A few weeks later, the shore patrol picked me up and sent me back to face my first court-martial. My second court-martial was for fighting. I'd picked up my father's bad habit of drinking and was constantly in trouble or in the stockade. Well, after serving four years, I was given a general discharge with honorable conditions. I left the Air Force with as many stripes as I had when I went in. None. Back in Milwaukee a month later, I met Nancy and I fell in love. <laughs> Sounds like the Air Force and you don't get along, Herb. Oh, you, you don't know the half of it. When I was stationed in Japan, I came back to the barracks one night and fell asleep with a cigarette, and I set the barracks on fire. Oh, golly, lucky you weren't killed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they told me a guy in my unit pulled me out. I don't even remember any of it. Had too much to drink, I guess. Did they punish you? You bet. They sent me to Iwo Jima. I got my third court-martial there, ran a bus off a mountain while I was drinking. <laughs> they could write a book about you. Sure could. One of the officers at my last court-martial, he asked me if I was working for the enemy. He said a saboteur couldn't have done as much damage as I did. <laughs> well, some people just aren't cut out for military life. Yeah, well, I, I'm not sure what I'm cut out for, except drinking and having a good time. Oh, well, I'll drink to that. Nancy and I were married in November 1960, and over the years, we had six children. I worked at a factory, but we both drank too much, more so after we opened a bar we called The Office. It was party time all the time, one sheep following the other. After we closed up at night, we'd go out to parties. I'm ready to go home, Irv. I'm tired. We're just getting started, Nancy. Oh, come on, honey. What's that you got in your hand? Pills. Want to try it? No way. <laughs> you better be careful mixing all that stuff. You know, anything can happen. Everybody does it except you. What's the matter with you? You won't try grass either. I'll stick to my booze. Oh, come on, let's go. Oh, hon, I'm having too good a time. You gotta get up early, you know, and so why? You gotta get the kids off to school. <laughs> they can take care of themselves. Oh, Irving. Oh, quit bugging me. Oh. Turn it into a pothead. 
1974, both my parents died. Dad first at age 75 and then Mom. Well, we moved into their home, the one I grew up in, but after 16 years together, our marriage began to fail. I was doing so many things wrong that I didn't want to live any longer. After closing the bar one night, I sat in the dark. I drank a quart of liquor and I took a bottle of pills. My wife found me unconscious and took me to the hospital where they pumped my stomach. Hello, Irv. You sure scared the liver out of me. Yeah, I'm sorry. Why did you do it? I mean, isn't it obvious I didn't want to live? Well, it isn't that bad. Isn't it? Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna lose everything. Did you talk to the shrink? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He told me I had a problem. I told him he was nuts. Oh. <laughs> Same older. Yeah. Can't do anything right, can I? You ought to think about the kids. They don't need that kind of a scare. What a stupid thing. It won't happen again. Well, now what? I don't know. Oh. Well, I'm sorry, Herb. I wish I could help in some way, but I can't. Your love for you is just gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they're going to let me out tomorrow. I'll have to figure out what to do. Well, we might as well go our separate ways. Any decision? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to head up north and do some fishing on the Mississippi River. Fishing? What about your job? They gave me a leave of absence. Fishing? Commercial fishing. I used to go with Dad, and, and it's the one thing I always like to do. Well, suit yourself. What about the bar? Well, close it if you want. I don't care. You can have everything. Yeah, including the payments. I'll let you know where we are as soon as we get a place. Who's we? Scott wants to go with me, and one of his friends, too. We closed the bar, and I gave everything to Nancy. My oldest son, Scott, his friend, and I headed north in April 1978, leaving my troubles behind. I ended up in Minnesota, where we fished the river with set lines and sold the fish to make a living. We did all right. I rented a little two-room house right behind a bar where I spent my evenings. Well, one night, a bunch of us went bar hopping in my Jeep, driving along the Mississippi River, and a friend and I were sitting on the tailgate while another friend drove. We were all drunk. Hey, you're throwing us around back here, Leo. Slow down. Yeah, the road changes its mind more than a woman. First one way, then the other. <laughs> you got that right. Hey, hold on the roll bar, Bill, before you fall out. I got a hole. No, you don't. That's a canvas top. One thing about sheep, when they fall on their backs, they need help getting up. Irving will tell us about that in just a moment. Many people ask, where do these stories come from? And the answer is from everywhere. At first, they came from men and women whose lives were changed at Pacific Garden Mission and who wanted to tell others the way out of despair. Street corners and meetings didn't reach enough people, so they went on radio with their message in 1950. Unshackled was born and has continued unbroken, the longest-running radio drama in the history of broadcasting. Starting in Chicago, more and more stations began to carry this program, and today Unshackled is heard on more than 1,100 radio stations and outlets on nearly every continent in the world, and is translated into Arabic and Spanish. 
Listeners send us their testimonies. So now we get stories from all over the world, from right next door, or even from your own life, if you have been set free from darkness. If you would like to share your testimony, write to Pacific Garden Mission, Chicago, Illinois, 60605. Our email address is unshackled at pgm.org. Please include your address. Leo! Leo, stop! Don't back over us! Boy, that was a heck of a ride. You guys all right? Well, Bill's hurt pretty bad. We need to get him to a hospital. Oh, man. We can't let him die. What, what are we going to do? First car that comes along, have him call an ambulance. Oh, yeah, yeah. W what about you, Irv? You're going to be okay? Well, I, I managed to roll over my back. How, how's it look? Oh, man. Oh, oh it looks terrible. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, Irv. was it your fault, Leo. Well, well, how did it happen, Irv? Well, Bill started to fall, and I tried to grab him. Oh, oh man. I need a beer. Would you get us one from the Jeep? But the cops will be here any minute, or we'll get in trouble. We'll tell them we didn't drink till after the accident. Go on. You got to drink one to cover up, Leo. The cops didn't believe our lies, and they hauled my friend off to jail. They also impounded my Jeep. An ambulance took us by turns to the hospital where I was treated and released. Well, the next day, I freed my Jeep and my friend by lying to the judge, saying that we drank after the accident to calm our nerves. But I felt very discouraged. I was right back where I was in Milwaukee, on a road to self-destruction. Hello? I heard about your accident. How are you doing? Uh, burned all the skin off my back and arms. Oh. Otherwise, I'm okay. That must have been very painful. It hurt a lot worse when that nurse scrubbed my back with a brush. Didn't use any painkiller, either. You didn't have to stay in the hospital? No, no, I called a friend, he came and got me. What happened to your Jeep? The cops took it, but I got it back. We're both having a run of bad luck. I was in a motorcycle accident. You okay? Oh, I'm on crutches, but I'll live. How are the kids? Oh, they'd like to see you. I'd wondered if you'd like to have them for a visit for a while. I could send them up on a bus. Well, I, I don't have much room, but... Okay, yeah, send them up. children came to visit and were there for a couple of weeks when she decided to visit too. Nancy and I had been separated for three or four months by then. I met her at the bus station and when she got off the bus, <laughs> I had a laugh. Her on crutches and me all skinned up. We were pitiful looking. Hello, Irv. <laughs> we're two sorry looking souls, aren't we? Yeah, we sure are. <laughs> How's your back doing? Oh, it's pretty sensitive yet. I have to sleep on silk sheets. <laughs> How are the kids doing? Well, they're all home. Uh, hey, would you like to go somewhere and have a drink? Oh, I sure could use well, one. I know a place overlooking the river. Come on. It's so peaceful watching the boats go by. No wonder you like it up here. Yeah, beats the rat race in Milwaukee. But what are you going to do now that the fishing season is about over? Well, I, there's a place in town that makes camper tops. I can work there. Life didn't pan out the way I thought it would, Irv. No, no, it sure didn't. We lost everything. The house, the car, the business, the camper. Even your motorcycle is gone. They repossessed the Jeep, too. Couldn't make the payments. <laughs> Where did we go wrong? I don't know. We just went in a big circle, Irv. Going nowhere. 
Well, we have the kids, and they mean a lot to me. So do you, Nancy. I'm glad you can still say that after all that's happened. I still love you. I'd really like to try again. We can make our marriage work. We should at least try for the kids' sake. Yeah, you're probably right. Listen, why don't you stay up here with us, and we can start all over like uh, a fresh beginning. Well, I'm willing to give it a shot. She stayed, and we were all together again. I took a job building camper tops. And things were going very well when, all of a sudden, my whole world caved in. I reported for work one day and found the doors locked. That was just the beginning. Irv, I didn't hear the car drive in. Yeah, I know. I had to walk. Car threw a rod on the way home. It's junk. Oh, no. It can't be fixed? Ah, not worth it, Nancy. We don't have the money to fix it anyway. Boy, it's cold out there. Oh, I know. We're getting low on fuel oil, too. Why were you coming home so early? Shop's closed. I'm out of a job. Closed? Why? Uh, turns out my boss was embezzling money, so the company had to shut it down. Oh, what are we going to do? We have to pay the rent next week. Yeah, I know, honey. I I'll look around, see what I can find. I guess you could say I hit bottom. We couldn't pay the rent, we're being evicted. It was 22 below zero when we ran out of fuel oil. We had a small electric heater, but the whole family was sleeping on one mattress with our coats on to keep from freezing. <sighs> I woke up one morning. I knew there was no food in the house. I went into the other room, and I got down on my knees, and I prayed. God, if you're out there, you're the only one that can help me. And then I walked into town, I stopped at the bank, and I asked to see the president. What can I do for you, Mr. Rich? Well, I, I, uh, really need your help. I lost my job when the camper shop closed its doors, and I haven't been able to find another one. And now we're being evicted because I can't pay the rent. It's been one disaster after another. You need a loan? Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know it looks bad to ask for money when you don't even have a job to pay it back, but I'm desperate. I have a wife and six kids at home, and they don't even have anything to eat. Do you have anything you can use as collateral for a loan? A car, maybe? Uh, my car threw a rod the same day the shop closed. Just an old junker. So, you don't even have the means to look for work? I can walk. I walked into town just now. Look, mister, I'm willing to work, and I'll pay you back. Tell you what, Mr. Rich. I'll give you a small loan to help you out. For some reason, I know you'll pay back the money. Honey, honey, you'll never guess what happened. What? I got a loan from the bank. And then I walked around the corner to a realtor. I told him our situation, you know, asked if he had a place we could stay until we got back on our feet, and he did. Oh, you're kidding. No, he has a house with heat and a fireplace. We can stay until we find a place to rent. Oh, when do we get to move in? Today. Honey, get packing. Right after we move in, we'll get some groceries. Oh, Herb, that's wonderful. I can't believe it. Me neither. My head is still spinning. Right after we moved in, I got a job, and we began to recover. I thought maybe there was a God after all who hears our prayers and helps us. I wanted to know more about him. Well, a friend of my daughter was going back to Milwaukee, so I asked him if he would stop by our old house 
and see if he could find the Bible I'd given my mother years before when I was in the Air Force. Hello? Uh, Mr. Rish, you won't believe this. What happened? Well, I found your house all boarded up because kids had gotten in and vandalized it, but I pulled off some of the boards uh, and, and I climbed in. Yeah? Was it pretty bad inside? Oh, yeah, the whole house was torn up. Oh, no. I went to the place you said the Bible would be, and sure enough, it was right there, untouched. You got it? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll take it to my brother's place in Minneapolis. Well, that's great. Thanks. After I got the Bible back, I began reading it, but it, it, nothing made any sense. A fellow at work was always reading the Bible, so I asked him if he understood it, and he told me to start with John's Gospel, which I did. How goes the reading, Irv? I don't know, Dale. It seems too easy. What seems too easy? Well, I was reading where Nicodemus came to Jesus at night, and Jesus said, you must be born again. Well, that's right. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Well, that's because we're born into this world separated from God. That's why people sin. I'd like to start all over again and do it right this time, but it, it just seems too easy. It wasn't very easy for Jesus. He had to hang on the cross to set us free from our sins. Romans chapter 5, verse 19 says, For as by one man's disobedience, meaning Adam, many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one, meaning Jesus, shall many be made righteous. I sure don't understand. My mother sent me to Sunday school when I was little, and I was taught that you had to be good to get to heaven. I'm here to tell you, I have never been good. No one is, Irv. The Bible says in Psalm 14, verse 1, There is none that doeth good. We're all sinners. That's why Christ died for us. He paid the penalty, and all you have to do is believe in him. Trust him, Irv. It really is that simple. I continued to read the Bible for a few months, and finally, on September 10th, 1979, I made up my mind. I had nothing to lose. I put my trust in Jesus. To God, I said, Okay, God, I'm going to trust in your son for my salvation. I'm going to stop trying to be saved, and I'm going to start trusting. Well, what happened at that moment is best described in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Hi, honey. How was your day? Oh, honey, I found out how to be saved. You know, Dale's been telling me all along that all I had to do was trust in Jesus, and he's right. You know, I was standing in the machine shop today, and I decided to trust him. I'm saved now, and I know it. You fell off the deep end for sure. No, honey, Jesus is real. I mean, I feel completely different now. I don't have any doubt that I'm going to heaven. I'm born again. You're nuts. Now, Nancy. You listen to me. Jesus loves you. You don't need that booze anymore. All you need is him. Speak for yourself. You want religion? Fine. You've tried everything else. So what's one more thing? I knew that just as God's goodness had led me to repentance and salvation, it would also draw Nancy. The kids began going to Bible study and worship with me. But my wife had no interest in our faith, so it seemed, until she went to a Christmas program. And after that, she joined us from time to time. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, finally pierced the darkness. 
that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. She gave her life to Christ, but she didn't completely give up alcohol, so we fought constantly about her drinking. And in the end, God took care of that, too. Hey, are you all right, honey? Yes, I'm just breaking the last bottle of alcohol I'd hidden. <laughs> you sure broke enough of them for a while. Every time I'd find a new hiding place, you'd discover it. That was really stupid of me. I thought I could force you to give up booze. What made you change your mind? The Lord. I finally turned you and the drinking over to him. I figured he could handle it better than I could. You were right. After you let me alone, the Spirit of God wouldn't allow me to have any peace. No longer was the fight between you and me. It was disobedience to God. I had to quit. I guess I can give up smoking now, too. We just learned that verse in Philippians chapter 4. Remember, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. I can, and I will. Well, it's been nearly 20 years since the Good Shepherd found this lost sheep and brought him home. Most of our children and grandchildren are saved, too, and the Lord is working on the rest. If you're living the kind of life we lived and you want out, God has the answer. He is the answer. Jesus saves marriages, families, lives. We hope this true story has helped you understand the love and power of God. If he is for you, who can be against you? And he is not willing that any should perish. Like Irving, you can put your trust in the Savior right now. If you need help in this critical decision, just write to us so we can send you some literature to help you in your walk with God. The address, Pacific Garden Mission, Chicago, Illinois, 60605. Our email address is unshackled at pgm.org. The telephone number in Chicago, area 312-922-1462. If you listen in the Philippines, you may address unshackled in care of the Pacific Mission, Post Office Box 1467, Manila. You can help brighten the gloom by telling others to listen to these true testimonies. And you can keep us on the air in your area by asking the manager of this station to keep broadcasting this program. People like you are the reason we produce Unshackled. This is program number 2480. Heard in the true story of Irving Risch were Herb Graham, Camilla Hawk, Darwin Apel, Rick Plastina, and David Stewart. Original music, Lucille Becker, sound, Nicoloisio, engineer, Ed Webb, script by Kenetha Gabler, and I'm Bob O'Donnell. Unshackled is produced by Pacific Garden Mission to show through true stories that if your life is empty, it can be filled to overflowing. Right today, we do look forward to hearing from you. That's Pacific Garden Mission, Chicago, Illinois, 60605. Heartache comes, but doesn't have to stay. Call Pacific Garden Mission in Chicago and talk with someone who cares. 312-922-1462.
someone is waiting for your call. 312-922-1462.